your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Fourth and a half yard at the six of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Folsom Field. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Trying to calm Ben down. He's a little spooked after that video dropped an hour or so ago with the alternate uniforms. Little Halloween theme, Ben, to reveal the alternates this year. What do you think? I don't really know. I don't really know what I was expecting. I guess watching it, um, it was something. There, there, there was a <laughs> lot in there. I, my first thought was, I'm imagining what the like brainstorming session kind of thought process was behind it you know like like how that went um Oregars who's just a, a phenomenal talent with Nebraska social media and the video productions uh put out a tweet a little while ago saying saying they they got some help from scary acres which um is about two minutes from my house <laughs> um and and so that, that makes some sense but man there was a lot to unpack in that um it, it it became pretty clear pretty quickly what that was, you know, what what the purpose of it was with the uniform reveal. But I've never seen anything quite like that. And look, I understand, and I've seen plenty of comments. And let me just f- start by saying the amount of like negativity, pessimism, venom from Husker fans on social media right now is maybe at an all time high. I don't know wh- hmm. if it's the quarantine period or what, but. I'll, a lot of interaction with with the fans and the, about anything is all jokes that they take the first opportunity to poke fun at at whatever it is that Nebraska wants to do um so i i guess winning cures that but i'm getting kind of tired of reading all the negativity and pessimism uh on social media but i think you know in this particular circumstance this was a, a creative team doing their job doing it very very well um, executing an idea and really just kind of putting an, an idea out there that's never really been done before. And I thought it was it was done very well. Um, I think the uniforms are great. I love I love the I'm going to call it simplicity. I don't think they needed to get overly crazy with it. I love the black shirt theme. I loved it last year. And the idea that it, this appears to be a road jersey because Nebraska wears white when they play on the road. Um, is is a little different and look I'm all for it I, I love the whole black shirt kind of idea alternate idea and and obviously the video you know Nebraska is going to be the butt of a lot of jokes with that but in terms of the creative team putting this together I thought it was a home run thought they knocked it out of the park and um, can't wait to see how they look on the field but I, that's not that's not something I woke up expecting to see today, uh, a horror film uniform release that's just never been done before. Yeah, very creative. You're right. It's a Halloween theme. We're a couple weeks away from Halloween, and they are. They're at a, a haunted house type thing. Actually, it's outside, so it's not really in a house. But And then the Husker football player wearing this alternate uniform, white top, the skull and bones on the side of the shoulder, and black pants is what it is, and that's going to be the alternate uniform for Nebraska. I don't know what game they're going to wear it at. It's going to be a road game, so maybe it's at Northwestern. Um, maybe it's 
I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you flip it with Wisconsin. Maybe you tell Wisconsin we want to wear these at home on Halloween weekend. Uh, maybe you could maybe petition to have that done. Go look at it. It's about two minutes, a little over two minutes long. It's fun. I, I had fun. you're seeing negative really on it. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you can't just have fun watching that thing today. That was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I look. I don't understand it either. I, I've, I've just and it's not just relative to this. It's it's been the last few months. And, and look, I get it. Fans just want to win. Yeah. And you know, and and they always go for the low hang. Not not always, but the low hanging. This is pretty low hanging fruit for those with a pessimistic view to make a joke, but. Look, it's it's people doing their jobs. It's a social team um, and creative team doing their jobs and doing it very well. And you're off your rocker if you don't think this helps Nebraska in recruiting. That 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 fans' um, opinions that that they're obviously heard and seen, but the recruits like this stuff and and they get into it. And this all goes into the ultimate vision with the name image likeness with student athlete branding. And, and I think this, this becomes such an easy sell to recruits that you can do this type of stuff with their own personal brand. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, Nebraska is willing to, you know, have an entire team dedicate themselves to a project like this. It's going to be the same for each individual athlete. We've already seen that. So I think it's, again, getting ahead of the game with the NIL situation. But I guess the bottom line for the for the people that tend to have those, you know, pessimistic views and, you know, want to just crack jokes at Nebraska's expense all the time. And not all of them are Husker fans. I don't want to say it's all Husker fans, but, um, you know, I guess it's just time to start winning, you know, and putting the results on the scoreboard. But I'm with you. This is supposed to be something that was just fun, um, you know, different creative and a way to get the fans excited and you know it, it got me excited I, I didn't like I said I didn't ex- expect ever to see anything like that for a uniform reveal but yet here we are and, and I can't wait to see how they look on the field you're right I went and looked at some comments after you made that you're right there's some people that don't like it at all I, I thought it was fun creative totally different uh, it's timely because Halloween's again two weeks away I, I mean I come on people there are so many things that are depressing and sad in this world right now have some fun with something at some point in time well if you have some thoughts about that share it with us 531-500-4686 you can fire us off a text at that very same number that is our u.s cellular text line proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the oscars u.s cellular connecting oscar nation ben is there a question about qb1 after hearing from the head coach today, we're going to get to some cuts later in our practice report, but very complimentary he was of Luke McCaffrey. I think what I heard today was more of an indictment of how they feel about Luke McCaffrey than it was a downgrade of Adrian Martinez or, or thinking that he was incapable. I, th- I think that this coaching staff really, truly likes Luke a lot, and and it's very clear that they, they feel very good about his skills and what he can bring to the team. Um, But hearing from the other coaches, hearing from Matt Lubick, hearing from Mario Verdusco, it didn't sound like Luke was the number one or, you know, really, I guess, threatening for the position at that time. Um, Lubick said that Adrian's the starter, and I would agree with that. I I mean, I I don't want to say I agree with it. It's it's obviously their choice. I don't have – you know, and anything else to go off of. To me, that that's what what I'm choo- choosing to believe right now. 
ultimately Scott Frost is going to decide who's going to run out there. But I think today was more of an indictment of the work and the ability of Luke McCaffrey as it was the lack of trust in Adrian Martinez as the as the starter. I I think there there truly are two guys that this coaching staff's probably comfortable and confident in on Saturdays should should that be necessary. But it was it was. I expected, let me just put it this way. I expected to hear a little bit of a different answer from the head coach than I heard when he was asked that question. I, I was a little surprised to hear um, perhaps there isn't as large of a gap as maybe I had originally thought at, at, at the starting quarterback position. But in a day and age where we know there's only one starter at quarterback, if you're not the starter, if you're not that guy, um, you're not going to stick around four years to, to wait for your turn. Um we see that a lot. I've seen it, you know, we've seen it at Nebraska where guys just don't want to wait. They don't want to wait. I think this is a message to Luke McCaffrey saying, we think a lot of you. We think you're a great quarterback. We think you're going to help our team. Um, for, from all the players that I've talked to, everybody really respects Luke. We've had Luke on the on the program last week, and you could hear the maturity, the intelligence in his voice. Um He's a special football player, and Nebraska wants him to be a special football player for them his entire career. And I think that the work that he put in this offseason has at least put him in the position or put him in the conversation of playing quarterback at Nebraska this season. And I think that's going to push number two, um, you know, in practice every single day. And it's up to him whether he can live up to that challenge or not. This is what I my stance has been all offseason is that Adrian Martinez will start the season, but that the leash is not very long. And that if he struggles, if he doesn't compete at a high level, Nebraska is not going to be afraid to go to the bench. And you know where last year, if Adrian was having a rough game, you didn't really get the sense he was ever going to be taken out of a game. I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think Husker, Husker fans will be okay with that, that as long as they feel like they, McCaffrey could get a shot at this thing, I think Husker fans are okay with that. So, And, and I think Adrian's got to know that, too. Adrian's got to know that I better play well or I'm going to be standing over holding the clipboard on the sidelines. And I think any player in any program ought to be that way, that if you're not competing well, you, you better have enough depth that the guy behind you isn't that far behind you that he can come in and do a better job. So that, that's been my stand's all offseason about the quarterback position as we get ready to move into 2020. The head coach seemed grumpy's not the right word, but he was terse today, and and the players were late getting to the, the, the press conference Zoom by about 15 minutes, which tells me practice went over, which I could then deduce maybe practice didn't go very well today um, because that was the mood I picked up on from Coach Frost. He wasn't very effusive with really any praise to anybody, and that's okay. That's fine. We've, we've heard for the last four or five years, Ben, an awful lot of positive things. Um, and then, then you kind of get to Saturday, and you're kind of going, well, what, what were they seeing the last few weeks? So I, I'm okay that he's not over-the-top uh, effusive with praise for these guys right now because they, they really haven't done much. Uh, but there was certainly a rub to him today that, that led me to believe that maybe something didn't go real well in the in the morning practice session today. Yeah, it was clear he wasn't particularly uh, chipper today. Um, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I don't know what the reason was. I, I think the the easiest assumption is, is what you said with practice, but um, there wasn't a lot that that we got out of him today, and maybe it's that the season's approaching. I, I I don't know what what all factors went into it, but yeah, it was clear he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder today when he did, when he did his 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 media availability, and that's okay. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like if if it was all rose colored glasses all the time like we've heard here in the past with certain head coaches, uh, and then things don't go well on Saturdays, people are, are wondering what's going on and, and you know, that they thought everything was going great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's okay to have a bit of an edge. And I think, you know, that when things aren't going right now and in practice when you're not dealing with an opponent and you're not handling them the right way, what's going to happen on Saturdays when things are going wrong and, you know, stuff's hitting the fan and you're looking around going, well, what are we supposed to do? It's okay to deal with a little bit of adversity or a little bit of, um, I guess, bad days, deal deal with stuff that goes wrong before a season gets started because you know in in every 60-minute football game, stuff's going to go wrong. And and it's how you handle that adversity and how quick you respond that determines the outcome a lot of times. So, yeah, it, it was not the most productive media availability today. I don't think we learned a whole lot, but... Again, I think that's okay. Yep. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Brought to you by our good friends at JTEC Construction. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. Well, as we alluded to to start the show, head coach Scott Frost meeting with members of the media today, and we'll find out just what type of edge the head coach had to him here and momentarily. And the first question he was asked today was about the live scrimmage that they had this last weekend and what he saw from that. You know, we're, we're trying to get a lot of live hitting in, uh, but in a manageable way where we can try to keep the guys as healthy as we can. Um, there's no substitute for that. Guys need to be hit and hold on to the ball. Guys need to tackle in the open field. Guys need to uh, be able to do those things. we got to get our guys ready for a first game, uh, having to fast track that a little bit because of how this schedule has played out. Um, I was fairly impressed with the running and hitting. Um, I thought the offense moved the ball well. Defense played well at times. Um, some good things both ways, but some things we need to clean up. Pretty much what you'd expect to hear, I suppose, from a coach after a first scrimmage. I don't think there was anything groundbreaking there. No, there wasn't, and a lot of times they're not. I mean, if, if one side dominates the other, you can't walk away feeling good, right? I mean, if the offense is going up and down the field and scoring every time they have the ball, you got problems on defense. If your offense can't get first downs – you got problems with your offense. So you want to see a little bit of give and take. And it kind of sounds like they maybe hit that balance on Saturday. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the other part that, that came with this and the scrimmage about moving the ball and, and assessing quarterback play, we talked about this and alluded to this cut to begin the show. Is there a clear starter at quarterback? He was asked that today. Here's was Scott Frost's response. I wouldn't say it's clear yet. Uh, Adrian's certainly playing well. Luke's certainly playing well. Uh, we feel like we got two guys um, at the top of that heap that are, are playing well enough to help us win games. Every uh, position is a competition. 
Um, we're gonna have to make those decisions pretty pretty quickly, but been really impressed with both guys. See, that didn't really sound like an indictment so much on Adrian or you know him him losing the job. I think it, it was more of a conversation about Luke McCaffrey and what what he was able to do in the offseason, the position he's been able to to put himself in. I agree with you. I, I, and again, I. <laughs> My my take has been Adrian's going to be the starter, but that there's a guy nipping at his heels. And if Adrian doesn't play well, he's going to get yanked. And I think that's a good sign for the program that we may have two guys that are ready to go to lead this team. A lot of programs don't have that backup ready to roll. I think Nebraska definitely does. What is it about when you've seen both play just a little bit, Greg, what, what is it about both of their games that you think maybe maybe are a little bit different with one another that that allows potentially both of them to get on the field. I think Luke is quicker. I think he's faster. I think when he hits a hole, he's gone. I don't know that Adrian runs with that kind of pace. And Adrian's not slow by any imagination, but Luke has an extra gear to him a little bit. Uh, is he reading defenses well enough? Is he gonna? Is he not gonna make mistakes at wrong times? That's what we don't know, and didn't see enough of of Luke McCaffrey a year ago to to make that distinction. Head coach today was also asked about Luke, and and we did see him at wide receiver um, some last year. And is there any potential for him to play a position other than quarterback? Coach Frost addressed those uh, rumors and speculation today. He's a quarterback. I want to make that clear. Um, right now, our offense moves exceptionally well when he's playing quarterback. Um, he finds a way to make a lot of plays work. He's throwing the ball really well, and um, I don't think anybody has any questions about his athletic ability or speed. Um, if he's one of the best players to have on the field and he's not playing quarterback, then we'll certainly uh, look for opportunities to make sure that our best players are out there. This is not anything new. We heard this exact answer from the head coach last year following the Maryland game when he took snaps at wide receiver when they had like four healthy bodies out there during practice. Uh, I think that was when the flu was going around with the team and they, they had a lot of guys sick at, in College Park and Luke was a guy out there and, and, and competing out there. I think the head coach just kind of further elaborated on your point right there that you know his athleticism automatically puts him in a position to be on the field. He, when he, if you give him a seam and he hits it, he can go. And again, I'm not saying Adrian can't, but Luke's just got that extra gear. And, and a 10, 12 yard run for a lot of guys might be one to the house for him. You've got to take a look at that. And I think that's what they're, that's what they're dealing with as they evaluate these two guys. The question I've received at least 10 times from people uh, the last week, and I'm sure you have too, I'm sure everybody affiliated mm -hmm. with our network has been asked, is about Omar Manning. Uh, rumors spreading like wildfire about is he on the team? Has he quit? Is he back in Texas? What is the deal with Omar Manning? All kinds of speculation has been thrown out there. I've heard all kinds of crazy rumors already about what people believe. Um, the update was on him, and obviously our local media has too because uh, one of the first questions asked to Coach Frost today was about Omar Manning, his update, how he's doing, is he here? And then the follow-up to that is how he feels the wide receiver position is progressing as a whole. Yeah, I think that's still a work in progress right now. Uh, when Omar's been out there, he's looked really good. He's been dealing with some health things that's kind of kept him in and out. 
um, we need him out there more consistently if he's going to uh, help us the way that we expect him to and hope that he will. Um, kind of the same. Uh, Wandale's been there for the most part and been nicked up a little bit. Elante Brown's been out there nicked up a little bit. Um, Cade Warner's been pretty consistent. It's been good to see. Uh, I've had some other guys that uh, look like they're stepping up. Um, so I, I, I think I'm pleased overall with the depth and the play at that position. Uh, but that uh, needs to work itself out pretty quickly. Who's healthy and who's available and, and we need to get dialed in for the first game. Do you expect Omar to be available right off the bat for you? I hope so. Okay, let's dissect this because, uh, you know, for everybody out there that's had the Omar Manning question, Greg, through our experience, for all the coaches that we've ever heard talk about anything, let's dissect the coach speak in this cut here. Um, When he's been out there, we need him out there more consistently. I hope so. There was not ever a definitive comment from the head coach right there that says yes he is out there he will be out there he's our starting x receiver he's good to go he was dealing with something before he's over it now there wasn't any of that however he never made any type of statement he never said indicated that he wasn't on the team he never said that he's not in Lincoln he never gave us any of that so let's try and read between the lines here clearly there is something going on with Omar Manning to where he is not in the lineup he is not practicing at any sort of regularity that we can figure out to any further speculation is unfair and until we hear from the coaches that he is not a member of the team I'm going to assume Omar Manning is a Husker now can I expect him to run out there the first snap against Ohio State and Columbus I can't give you that with any certainty and I don't know that anybody can that's all we know and I think that this this cut right here should answer all of the rumors and, and speculation that yes there's something going on no we don't know what it is and we don't know what it means for his future. That, that That's all we can decipher from what we were told and have been told the last couple of weeks. That's exactly right. And he's dealing with something. And, and that's all the coach needs to say because it's not any of our business. Whether it's an injury, nagging injury, maybe he has COVID, maybe he's homesick, maybe he's having other issues with his family. I mean, it could be a lot of things. But let him figure that out, I think, He's a talented kid. You, you even heard it when he's been out there. He's done some really good things. So you know he's talented. You just put the tape on and watch him from last year in junior college level. He's a talented kid. We need him to be here. Coaches are going to give him plenty of space to try to work th- through whatever he's dealing with to try to get him out there. But you're right. We don't know whether he'll be there a week from Saturday in Columbus. Long story short, yes, there's something going on. No, we don't know what it is. And if these times have, have shown us anything in the last few months – Mental health is a real thing. Just look at and read the story that Diedrich Mills um, bravely shared with everybody. You've got to just let him work this out. And it doesn't help when people are, you know, spreading rumors, bashing a kid on social media, t- let alone tweeting at somebody or reaching out directly to the athlete. That you, that's not going to help. You've got to just let him deal with what he wants to deal with. And the coaches just have to do their jobs and have to trust their relationships and trust everybody else that's in the position. That's really all the, the attention we need to give to that here today. Uh, one, one thing that's been a, a common place in college football to start is a lot of scoring, a lot of yards, a lot of points, and not a lot of great defenses. Is this attributed to a short offseason? Uh, what, what, is, what is kind of the factor right now that, that's leading this edge in college football? Coach Frost talked a little bit about the trend that we're seeing around the country. 
Yeah, I think it does. I think teams that handled uh, the offseason better probably have a little bit of an advantage. I think the playing field's been leveled a little bit um, because of the circumstances surrounding this entire year. Um, I think if you have a team prepared, they can go out and compete. And I think you're seeing that a, a lot of close games and, and teams winning. It probably, um, in the NFL and college, it seemed like it's favored offense a little bit. There seems like there's a few more points, but um, I, I don't know if that'll happen in our league. There's a lot of really good defenses in our league, so uh, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Nice trend for offenses, and again, we'll see how that plays out in the Big Ten. An area of interest that I have for this defense in particular is outside linebacker, and Coach Frost did address that part today about improving that position, improving the pass rush. Here's what he had to say about Nebraska's 3-4 outside linebackers. I see improvement. Um, you know, if we just get the guys that we had last year playing with the right technique and, and um, being true to their assignment, we'll be better at that position right right out the gate. Coach Dawson's done a good job with that. Uh, we've had a couple guys nicked up at that position all through camp, and so haven't had the consistency like I talked about with Cade. Um, nothing serious, but just guys missing a little bit of time here and there. Um, that's a position that, you know, in my time at Nebraska, we had some real guys coming off the edge. Uh, shoot, Dante Jones and Grant Wistrom and Trev Alberts and Jared Tomich and Vandenbosch and the Kelseys and um, Rucker and uh, just a lot of guys. Uh, if you're going to have a really good defense, you need guys that, that scare people coming off the edge and do a good job setting the edge for your defense. Um, I've been impressed with the improvement I've seen it from guys of that position. Um, we need to get everybody healthy and get everybody ready for the first game. I would agree, Greg. Head coach um, talking about improvements necessary at outside backer. And I would agree. I think Nebraska does need to be more consistent and cause more disruption at that position. It's been a while, right? Randy Gregory, maybe the last one that you really felt like, wow, you got to figure out where he is from that outside spot. It's been a long time. Coach Frost was asked about um, the crowd, no, no crowds being in stadiums and how that may help an offense, um, but also the idea that, that crowds will be uh, manufactured and manipulated via stereo systems. Uh, but Coach Frost was asked if um, no fans would, would help offensive communication. It would take quite a bit off. I think you'd be able to think clearer. Last I heard, they're going to allow us to pump uh, artificial crowd noise into the stadium. Okay. Um, I didn't vote on that. I um, think it's annoying to have fake crowd noise in your ear all the time. I hope it's regulated and monitored so people don't have speakers right behind the visiting bench. And I hope it's, uh, hope it's conducive to e at least being able to think. If we're going to pretend like there's fans in the stands and have fake noise, then I uh, hope we're actually able to function. I can attest to there being certain places in the league where there are speakers right behind or certain areas of the field that, yes, if you're in other parts, it just sounds like music or a PA system or noise or whatever. But when you're right behind that speaker, it, it is obnoxiously loud. And, and I, it is. It's, it's deafening and it's hard to think when, when some of that's going on. So I think his points are valid. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to set some standards, how, how much decibels you can do. And I, I would anticipate that happening from the league office.
yeah, hopefully not um, doing it on site and coming it from a third-party site would help that as well. Uh, finally, we're going to wrap up with special teams. Has there been improvements in this area, and what has the head coach seen uh, with the specialty units that haven't helped Nebraska's cause in recent years? Uh, that needs to be a lot better. Special teams has been a thorn in our side for two years. I've seen better production from the specialists themselves. I think we're kicking and punting the ball better. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing live bullets, uh, some improvements made on our cover teams and uh, block teams. Um, don't think we're there yet. Uh, we do have more athletes out on the field, so I expect it to be better. Absolutely has to be better. I mean, it can't, can't be much worse, honestly. No, absolutely not. Good stuff. I mean, there was maybe a little bit more in there than I thought watching it live, listening in the back. There was some stuff that we were able to parcel out of some of those clips here today from the head coach. Again, our practice report brought to you by JTech Construction. The head basketball coach had a press conference today. They begin workouts tomorrow. The official start of the season is tomorrow. First practice. Uh, still no word on the schedule. In fact, he was evasive, was the coach today during his media session about um, what the what the season may look like. Can't comment on this potential tournament in Lincoln. Uh, he was very careful with his words as it relates to that. But we're going to get into some clips from his presser earlier today. He was asked, what he has seen from the workouts with the guys over the last month? Uh, as far as what I've seen from the workouts, I, I've been really impressed with our players as far as their commitment. Uh, it's a group that just loves to compete. They, they love being in the gym. Uh, we've almost had to talk to them about taking some time off. And, you know, someone would come in three times a day if we allowed it. Uh, we've worked very closely with our sports scientist, Chris Bach, uh, as far as workloads and making sure that we understand this is uh, there's a marathon here. Uh, you know, we've been working, been very fortunate, uh, you know, knock on wood, but we've been, our guys have done a great job as far as staying safe and making the right choices and the right decisions. Uh, we have had one positive case, and that's it and uh, everybody else has, has stayed away from it. So, uh, you know, we feel good about that for the fact that we have not had to quarantine uh, lar a large portion of our team. And we've been able to stay on task and been able to get in the gym and work, starting with individual uh, workouts. Then we went to small group workouts. And for the last several weeks, we've actually had full team workouts and we're making good progress. Uh, and again, I, the thing that I like most about this group is our competitive spirit. Uh, just how much they enjoy being in the gym. I think there's accountability with the guys when certain guys don't come into the gym. <clears throat> we were only allowed a certain number of hours with them, so a lot of the uh, time spent in the gym was with each other. And that's where you grow chemistry. That's where you grow together uh, as a group when the coaches aren't in there. And you can have the team in there working together. Uh, but I've been really impressed with, uh, with the guys. Uh, and again, most of that goes to their, uh, their work ethic. By the way, that positive is is in the clear now. We don't know when that happened. They've been testing since June, I, I think. Uh, I've got a source who says that's been a while since that positive happened, the positive case, case of COVID. Uh, so that's great news. They've, they've been able to just get everything working so hard. Basketball guys is living. Live, if you're really dedicated to that craft, Ben, you live in the gym, right? I mean, that's just what those guys do. They, they don't want to go. I mean, yeah, they want to do video games and some of that stuff. But when they're kind of on their downtime, they want to go shoot. Yeah, that's and there's something about that that 
it's hard to equate to other sports. You know, when you're a baseball player, you want to get hacks in. You know, when you're a receiver, you want to run routes. But there's something about shooting a ball into a basket that just appeals to hoops players that it's like something they just have to do, right? And it's it's just in their blood. And, yeah, and you heard it, you know, from the players talking today, from Ivan and, and from Delano about them during the quarantine period just – it's almost like a drug you know they just needed that they needed that basketball fix and uh, it was hard hard to find in fact a lot of other athletes football players baseball players when they want to go just get the blood moving they'll go shoot baskets i mean it's just what you do when you're that age and that's your sport you you love it so that's good news sounds like he has some gym rats on this team and that's coaches love those kind of players uh good news for the huskers a couple weeks ago when trey mcgowan's the transfer from Pitt, who's been a two-year starter for the panther program transferred to nebraska in the spring has been given his clearance he's been given the waiver to play right away here's what the coach had to say about getting that good news and what does he make of mcgowan's game yeah, it absolutely will help us. There, there's no doubt about that, that we have clarity that Trey will be on our active roster this year. And we approached it that way going in, that he would be uh, available for us. Uh, you always prepare for that. And we're thankful. We're thankful that Trey got his waiver. And we're really excited about him. He's a, he's a two-way player. Uh, I think he can have a huge impact uh, on both ends of the floor. He's a tenacious defender. And you can look at his stats uh, last year leading the, the ACC in steals. Uh, he's got great anticipation on that end. He moves his feet. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, and then offensively, uh, he's very versatile. He can play multiple positions. Uh, he's, he's really done a good job working on his shot. That was a big point of emphasis for us early in the process was doing individual skill work, uh, you know, getting the fundamentals right with his shot, with his footwork and his body position. And he's worked extremely hard uh, in that area. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can play multiple positions on the floor because of his size. Uh, and his ability to get downhill. Uh, he's shown a great willingness as we've gone on uh, to make simple plays. And when you got guys like he and Delano Banton playing together in the backcourt with Kobe Webster, uh, with other guys, you know, we will have multiple players that can initiate our offense this year. Um, but I love Trey McGowan's. I love his makeup. Uh, I love everything he's all about. And, uh, you know, the, the good news that we got last week in regards to Trey being eligible was huge uh, for our basketball team. You don't hear coaches often say two-way players. That means they're pretty good on the defense. They're not a liability for you defensively. A lot of guys who are good scorers don't really care about playing on the other end, and that's not the case with Trey McGowan's. Obviously, the coach said he's really good on both ends of the floor. This guy's a starter, right, Ben? I mean, I anticipate he's going to be on the floor when games begin for this team. Yeah, I mean, just a just a game-changing type player, as Coach was alluding to there. You know, I, I haven't seen him – play as a Husker yet how he how he necessarily fits in in this particular offense uh and defense I suppose is, is remain to be seen but there's a reason why the coaches are so excited about him there's a reason why it was an easy sell um to Trey to come here because he's needed his services are, are needed pretty badly and I think it's going to be um uh, a good marriage you know Nebraska and, and Trey McGowan's and um, again, this is a guy that's going to fill up the stat column uh, in a lot of different areas and one of those really reliable players that the Huskers are going to have. And just between you and me, he has a younger brother that just decommitted from Florida State. Just between you and me. I don't want to let and, that out of the bag. And I think he has five stars attached to his name, <laughs> which means something to some people out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last year, Nebraska, this is no secret. They, they did not have – 
size. They didn't have any depth inside. I mean, poor Ivan, who's really more of a four than a five, had to bang against all those Big Ten bigs, game in and game out. But now there's some reinforcements. This is a much taller, longer basketball team than Nebraska ran out last year. Here's the head coach talking about their depth in the post and what kind of versatility this team could have. I feel really good. I, I feel, um, you know, again, with Ivan's improvements <clears throat> from where he was in year one to where he is now. And he just, you know, a big part of it is he knows what to expect uh, going into year two as opposed to being raw uh, year one, not really knowing what his role was going to be and really being thrust into a starter's role. A lot of that because of his size and, and physicality. So, uh, you know, he's still young, obviously, as an 18-year-old uh, going into year two. Uh, but having Derek that will be eligible for us this year. Uh, the length of Eduardo, and I've seen great improvement with Eduardo every day. Every, every day he gets better and better. Uh, he's got almost a 7-5 wingspan. Uh, so that you know presents different challenges from what he would go through in a daily battle and practice last year just to have that length to have to go up against that will simulate a lot of what he's going to face in the Big Ten. Uh, so, yeah, all three of those guys have been great, and then we'll have opportunities maybe to slide lat uh, at 6'9", uh, a guy that's been maybe as consistent as anybody on our team uh, that can really space the floor. Um, you know, he can really, really shoot the basketball. He's one of those guys when he re- he's open and he shoots it, you're surprised if it doesn't go in. So to have that luxury, <clears throat> a guy that I know is going to battle um, every time he steps on the floor from a defensive standpoint, uh, but also create opportunities on the offensive end uh, for a mismatch. So that's where I talk about the versatility of this group, not only Ivan, Derek, uh, and Eduardo that are probably more true fives, but now you have an opportunity to play smaller uh, with a very skilled lineup, uh, potentially with Lat at the five. And the reason we can do something like that with a guy like Lat is we have good positional size. When you play Delano in the backcourt at 6'9", and you got Trey uh, alongside at 6'5", uh, you have Teddy at 6'6", six, six. Uh, you have other players, Thor, 6'5". Uh, you know, you've got a pretty versatile lineup where I think you can create some problems defensively, whether you switch uh, one through five. But I think we're going to have much more versatility on the defensive end because of the length that we'll have on our roster. Yeah, Greg, I'm, I'm, I'm drooling over, <laughs> over that. You know, with, with Lano at 6'8", with uh, Lat's you know, wingspan, with Trey's 6'5", good-sized guard, Derek Walker, you know, I mean, I'm just it, – it was a sight to behold when Tim Miles would run that 1-3-1 with JPJ at the top, with Roby, with Cope. Um, it, it was unlike anything you could ever prepare for. It was like they were holding, like, meter sticks out with their hands and you just couldn't – you couldn't move the ball because they were so long. This lineup is going to rival that. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to go out there and run a bunch of one three one zone, but – Imagine the nightmare problems you have when you've got a 6'8 point guard who can pass, who can dribble, who can defend. You're dribbling into guys with 7'5 wingspans. Um, you know, it, Nebraska is going to be a pain in the butt to, to prepare for, and they're not going to be a fun team to break down on film. Are they going to win 25, 30 games? I don't know. I don't know that they're going to be the fifth-ranked team in the country ever or be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. But I can tell you opposing head coaches are going to be glad to get on the plane and get out of Lincoln when they're done preparing for them. 
Yeah, you're right, because there's so many facets to this team. It's remarkable what this staff has done in just a year and a half's time. You mentioned the six foot eight point guard, Delano Banton, who did meet with the media today as well. Here's the head coach talking about Banton and what he likes about him. The best quality that Delano has is, is his playmaking ability. And when you have that at almost 6'9", uh, you know, it's such a great quality to have. Uh, you just look at what he did uh, in Western Kentucky where he, I think he was two points away from a triple-double uh, at Wisconsin. So, you know, the versatility is what I like most about Delano's game. Uh, you know, one thing that we have to improve on from that I've seen in the last couple of weeks is we are turning the ball over too much, uh, you know, with, with everything that we've got going. And that happens. I've, I've been around this game long enough to know early in the process there's some sloppy times, especially in what, when guys get tired. Uh, but, you know, as far as Delano, he's, he's in the gym every day. He was actually getting a workout this morning uh, with, uh, with, with our GAs. And, you know, he's a guy that's consistently getting better at every aspect. But he, the good thing about Delano, he wants to be great. And he's got, uh, he's got a heck of a future in this game. Such an intriguing player, a guy of that size who can handle it like he can. Little Magic Johnson, dare I say, at that size for Delano Banton. How about shooting? What what kind of shooting team is this going to be? Here's the coach replying to that question. Yeah, I, I think we'll have a better overall shooting team than we did a year ago. Uh, you know, you look at Thor obviously coming back as, as the best returning uh, shooter that was eligible. Uh, but you look at Trey McGowan just shooting the ball extremely well right now. Uh, Kobe Webster can really shoot it. Uh, Teddy Allen has a track record of being a very good shooter and has shot the ball well in the preseason. Uh, Lat Mayen, you know, I've talked about the 100-shot drill that we do as a team where he made 86, which is by far the most I've ever heard uh, in that 100 shots. And that's not just spot shooting. That's transition threes. It's coming off the dribble threes. Uh, it's coming off screens. Uh, you know, so to make 86 is a heck of an accomplishment. He followed that up with making 82. Uh, but you look at Shamil Stevenson, a uh, guy that can knock down shots. Uh, so overall, yes, I, I do think we are a, a much better three-point shooting team than we were a year ago. And within the system that we run, you know, trying to create, you know, shots at the rim and creating open threes where 80% of our shots were last year, obviously uh, to have a roster that can capitalize on that and hopefully convert at a higher percentage uh, should give us uh, hopefully an advantage this year. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know this coaching staff has made a, a concentrated effort to, to find shooters, to find guys that can stretch the floor, change games. We've seen it in the past with Nebraska when they've had one guy, right, a Ray Gallegos or a Paul Volander, somebody that he's in the game, he's a shooter, and you got to w- watch out for him. I don't know that we've necessarily had that one guy for a long time that can come in and just knock down three-point shots. When you've got two or three of those guys on the floor – I mean, I'm remembering, and now it's relevant because Duncan Robinson, you know, played for the Miami Heat. But when he was at Michigan, it was so frustrating because you would you would waste a defender closing out on him, and he had such a quick release. They're game-changing type players, and you need a few of them. And I think Nebraska finally has what they're looking for in that area. I'm going to say two things that will be semi-outrageous, but I don't care. One may may not be that much. It's going to be by far the most improved team in the league. I don't think that I don't have any problem saying that to anybody, and I don't think I'm going to be wrong at all. And number two, I think it's the best collection of talent at Nebraska since the mid '90s. Now I, I know the team a couple of years ago with Palmer and Roby and Cope and those guys. But I think there's more depth with this group. I think there's that team fell off after about six or seven, where you just couldn't go. Nobody, you didn't. Nobody could get in foul trouble, or you just you were going to be down a cog. I think this thing might be nine or ten deep. I, 
and, and the, the the diversity. We went to that cut earlier. How they can go big, or they can go small. They can go kind of a mid-sized group. They can put so many different combinations out there. It's incredibly intriguing. Well, and I think the thing that's going to help the most and make this thing difficult is the bigs aren't just bigs. The smalls aren't just smalls. You know, it's not like you're throwing Isaac Haas out there and, and, and you know he's going to play the block, right? The, he, he, he was a four foot away from the basket type player. You, you, you have so much variance, right? Delano Banton could play the one, he could play the five. You know, Trey McGowan's, you know, he, he could play anywhere from the one to the three, you know. Ivan could play the five. He could play the three. You know, you've got so much variance in what these guys can do on the floor. They're not really limited. And when you're an offensive mastermind like Fred Hoiberg, you throw something up on the whiteboard and the next idea hits you and the next idea hits you and the next, there's no shortage of what you can do. We already know he has an extensive playbook of what he throws out at these guys. But when you've got so many variables, I mean, imagine having an offense with six playmakers and guys that can score every time they touch it outside of your linemen. That's basically what Fred Hoiberg has here. And I think it's going to make his job a lot of fun this year in organizing an offense with Coach Lutz and you know trying to figure out how they can make these guys successful. And again, they're going to be a pain in the butt to prepare for. And I don't know that you can just plug in their game against whatever Western Carolina or whatever and say, okay, this is what they're going to run because I think they're going to throw something completely new at you the next time they're out there on the floor. I'm jacked. Let's go. I mean, I just I, there's so many parts of this team. Just hearing the coach break that down was so exciting. They know they're going to open November 25th. They still don't quite know how it's going to look, how it's going to fit together. That's still yet to come. They're still waiting on some clearance, honestly, from the league. They still haven't gotten a lot of a lot of clear answers from the Big Ten Conference. I know that shocks everybody out there that they don't have that, but uh, really, really crazy stuff. But I, I'm excited, and I, I think Husker fans will be as well. Ben, you had a chance to catch up with a guy who's got a pretty interesting story, a path at Nebraska that maybe has gone much better than a lot of us had anticipated. Yeah, um, the amount of respect and admiration I have for Mark Eldis Muk um, started growing a lot last year and is pretty much at an all-time high right now. I, I just uh, he's been through so much as a Husker and and as a person on and off the field while here at Nebraska. It was a pleasure to talk to him today, and I just started out by asking him. Um, if he's ready to hit somebody else after uh, uh, the practicing against his own team for so long and you know strapping the pads back on. It felt wonderful to go out there and, and finally put the pads on and instead of being in shells and tagging off, it feel good to finally hit somebody, but it's going to feel even better to hit Ohio State next week. Markel, what's, what's the, the – the, the feeling now entering this season, you've been through so much in your entire career, but even more so in the last six months, you know, with everything that's going on in society, just how, how have you just approached the day-to-day, the, the practice, and the, the now soon to be the game prep with Ohio State mentally knowing you, you weren't sure if you were going to be able to play this fall? But you know how it goes, man, how it's been this year. We're taking it day by day, not knowing what each day going to hold, doing the normal every day doing what we can do to keep playing and to keep practicing and to stay safe. So it's, it's hard, but it, we got to get through it and we got to fight through it so we can have a good season this year. Markel, doesn't feel like that long ago since you were just coming over from California and you were the new kid. You've got a lot of new guys back there. What's it like breaking in a whole bunch of, of new players that are looking at you as the, as the Wiley veteran to teach them what's going on? It's crazy because it feels like yesterday I just got here to know it. <laughs> 
couple more months, couple more weeks till I'm out of here is even it's even crazier. But to see the young guys and to show them the ropes, like how the older guys showed me the ropes, is it's a, it's a good thing to me because the, the older guys when I got here they showed me how to do it, and they showed me to ask them anything and and to be on their level. So because you only as great as your weakest link. So so it's it's good for all of us to know what we got to do and to have each other feel comfortable comfortable enough to ask each other questions. Markel, in my opinion, I don't know that there's a better player to ask um, all the questions, you know, relative to what a career entails than you. You've been through so much on the field. You've been through even more off the field and obviously now dealing with the pandemic as well. Um, what is it about everything that you've learned uh, about yourself, about your family, about football, about Nebraska the last few years that's making you really kind of embrace this last year and, and, and everything that you've had to go through to get to this point? As you know, Bill, you come here as a young man. You're still a little boy if you want to be technical. And to grow up in a different state with just you, you have no choice but to become a man, to learn things on your own and to go through trials and tribulations. So I feel like everything just made me a better man at the end of the day and humble myself and to just keep fighting. Because at the end of the day, I came here for a reason, and that reason is to play football and to, and to graduate. And I graduated, now it's, it's just one thing on my mind now is to go 100% at football. One of the things that you've had to do that, that some players n never had to do, and that's break in a new coaching staff. You had to learn from a new uh, position coach. You had to rebuild that trust all over again. Take us back to meeting Coach Fisher and really what that transition process was like for you, Markel, getting used to uh, a new staff, a new way of doing things, and then building trust with a new guy who's going to be teaching you every single day. Well, as you know, Ben, I was kind of used to it because we was getting like a new DB coach mm -hmm. like every year. And, and well, how many defense coordinators went through two? So it was like it was like it was, it was like it was used to it, kind of, sort of. But to 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 feel comfortable around the staff, you got to get to know each other and to come around and get get to used to each other first off, and feed off each other energy and talk to each other and, and know what each other like and what what each other don't like and to just get the connection because we're gonna see each other every day and be a family at the end of the day. What did you learn about this team last year, Markel? This team lost so many close games, and I mean, you could point to five or six plays, and the record looks completely different. This team was really close. What did you learn about your team, your brothers, some of those plays that, that didn't go our way that you can help this year and maybe come out on the other end of that thing? Knowing we lost most of our games by a close score, it's, 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 it's a grind everybody's mind to even go harder everything that we do because that close can change the whole record. That play that we missed can change the whole record. That that one play you took off, you should you should know now that every play counts. And you shouldn't take off no play at all because it'll it'll affect the game. And to know that we were so close to having a good season last year, we should come out this year and just have a great season. Markel, how does it feel to be healthy? I mean, it hurt watching you at times. I know how badly you were in pain last year, wearing that big neck roll on the back of your pads. And every time that you had to go down and make a tackle, I just braced and I almost felt it on the sideline watching. How does it feel to not worry about that when you got a ball carrier coming out and you can just take him down? Man, I don't think nobody knew how that felt. <laughs> 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 but, it, but it's my neck good now. Okay, I was kind of uh, hesitant this year putting on the shoulder pads and seeing how I felt. But since we put on the first day of shoulder pads, I just went head first in 
and I feel great. I'm ready to get out there and show, show a new me. Between you and Deontay, I'm not sure that there's a, there's a group of safeties that like to hit more than, than you two in, in the entire world of college football. What's it like to have him back next to you, to have Deontay back and you know, what he can bring to a defense and you guys, coupled with your experience, what you can do together in the back end? I mean, it's good because last year it was just me and him and, and the ones getting used to each other and getting, getting used to the connection and knowing where each other would be at. So for him to go down in that first game, it was like we had to get used to a whole new safety group. Not like that, but just like as in a whole to to be to know where each other at and to uh, know the game really and to uh, have a connection at a safety group because you know the safeties runs the defense. So to know that I have him back, it's just great because he's back and better, as you know, and I know I know what he knows. And you know what I don't know. And we just want to go out there and, and show the world what we can do. Markel, going forward, you got Ohio State. You know, you know it's going to be a big challenge. That's a team that perennially is in the top five. You followed up with Wisconsin. How are you embracing uh, the challenge that, that's ahead of you and, and the team going forward and um, you know, the, the, the level that you're going to have to play at to compete with those teams? I mean, you should always want to compete with the best. And that's all I think about is going out there and competing with the best so they can so I can come out and and play my best game that I can play. Talking with Markel Dismuke, Husker Safety here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Does it feel weird, man? I, I know this, none of this has been normal the last few months, but knowing that this is the last time, right, the last fall camp, the last, you know, kind of go around, has it felt any different for you knowing that this is it, or are you just taking it day by day? Uh, man, it's, it's been weird because, you know, what happened in this year and to to have a season in the middle of this, it's like, damn, it's really our last season. And, and all of this is going on. But, you know, we still got a, a season to take care of, and I still got a family to take care of. So at the end of the day, we still got to do our job. It's finally here, man. Game week coming up here before too long. Great to see that you're healthy. Great to see that you're you're doing well. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Keep that body right, and let's go get Ohio State. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Markel Dismuke, Nebraska senior safety with us here on Sports Nightly. Uh, I, I, I get a sneaky feeling, Greg, this is going to be another one that, you know, we talk about for a long time, and uh, I don't know that enough attention has been paid to his story and what he could mean um, to the secondary this year, not even necessarily on the field, right? I mean, I know you look at Markel Dispute and go, that's, a, that's an all-league safety, but this is an important year to be a senior with so many young players and young talent that's just kind of looking to somebody to say, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle this both on and off the field? And, and like I told Markel, I don't know that there's a better – example of how you go through adversity and stick to something and stay with it and you know see the reward at the end than him totally agree he's been through a lot a lot of people didn't think he would make it I remember talking to his position coach a month or so after he arrived on campus four years ago and guy goes I don't know that he makes it he's homesick I don't know that he stays around here and here he is the best of the batch out of that group that's still playing football. And you you mentioned it. He and Deontay will br- hit, bring the wood. I mean, those guys like to hit. Nebraska can keep those two guys healthy. They're going to they're gonna do some damage in that back end of the secondary. Can't wait to watch them play. I, I'm, I'm excited for him. And, and I, I don't know that we realized, Ben, a year ago, 
how much we missed Deontay Williams. Oh. I, I think it was a huge loss to that defense. Man, there was – I have a picture saved on my phone. I don't remember what game it was, but uh, I was behind the sideline and there was a, a stack of three players. It was Deontay Williams with a shoulder sling. It was Cam Taylor Britt and street clothes with a shoulder sling and it was De- uh, and it was Markel Dismuke in pads with his neck roll and you could yeah. see the line of all three of them and you go man this is unbelievable because Deontay goes out in the first game Cam Taylor Britt and Markel Dismuke I don't know about you but I and I said this in the interview to Markel I grimaced every time that I had to watch Cam Taylor Britt and Markel Dismuke make a tackle it was almost like Aaron Williams a few years ago dealing with the stinger issue I, I don't even want to imagine how much pain those guys were feeling when they had to make a tackle on a running back running downhill. I mean, if, if we knew what type of pain these guys were playing through, nobody would ever say a bad word about the way that they played football because I don't know that any of us could deal with it. It was the same thing with, with Diedrich Young and tearing his pec and playing with a torn pec, and here you got people crucifying him for a bad angle or something like that. This kid's making 10 tackles a game when he can't even lift his arm above his shoulder. It's just I, I truly wish we would just sit back and, and respect that these guys are laying their bodies out there every Saturday just for our enjoyment and, and for their enjoyment. So – so much respect to those guys, and again, let's, let's have a little perspective before we tear a guy to a ground. We think him up. We count him down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. So here we are. What, uh, 11 days out? From the start? No, 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 no. Ten days out because we got a Friday game, right? Wisconsin, Illinois. Ten days out for Big Ten football. How could you forget that Wisconsin was stuck with the misfortune of playing on Friday night? Yeah, well, I tried to release it off my uh, – try to forget about it because I, I don't like the fact they get an extra day to get ready for the Huskers in week two. But it is what it is. There go the Huskers complaining again about everything. I know. That's, that's what we do. Easy. This was easy, right? Put this uh, list no. together? No. I had like 17 names on my list, oh. and I had to leave a bunch off that I really didn't want to, but I wasn't going to Orman this baby and say, oh, he <laughs> no, plays for Austin. Michigan, and he plays for Michigan, so they count as one. I did not do that. If they have the same last name, they count as the same player. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think anybody on my list had the same last name. All right, Ben, why don't you lead us off this week? Sure, happy to bat lead off, and um, you know, honestly, I, I, a little assist to Zach Osterman uh, from the Indy Star here, because I was high on this player already, but after hearing him describe what he means to an offense and just how good he could potentially be, I have him slid in at number ten, and I've got Michael Penix, the quarterback Ooh. at Indiana, here at number ten. Very good player, very good scheme fit. My one concern with him, health. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? But when he is and he's 100%, I feel like he just is inside the top 10 for top 10 players in the Big Ten. So I've got Michael Penix, Indiana quarterback here, at my first spot. He's intriguing. Can he stay healthy? That's been his issue. He's had injury problems his whole career there. You want it, Greg? You want me to go? No, Austin, you, you follow up, Ben. Appreciate that. All right, so Michael Penix was a tough cut from my list, but I'll stick in his division for my number 10. Journey Brown, the running back for Penn State. Last year, he averaged seven yards per carry and 12 rush, rushing touchdowns. 
I think he's the best running back in the East. That means no disrespect to a guy like Master Teague or Stevie Scott from Indiana. Brown's really explosive. He, he can get better. He's got some areas, especially catching passes out of the backfield. Hasn't shown a whole lot of that. But as a runner, there's not much better in the Big Ten if there is better, and I'm expecting him to have a big year. Can he be the next Saquon? Or Miles Sanders? I mean, man, that's... Those are big shoes to fill. I'm going offensive line for my number 10. I've got a couple offensive linemen in my list. I'm going with Iowa's sophomore center, Tyler Linderbaum, already listed as a preseason second team All-American, really controls the line of scrimmage. Uh, he'll, And that's a really good front for the Hawkeyes. It'll be the strength of their team. So my number 10, offensive lineman, the center, Tyler Linderbaum. All righty. On to number nine. My number nine, I'm going uh, to the back end of defenses, and I think it's a name that we will all know by the time that he's done. We've only seen him for one season, and I'm already that high on him. I thought it was huge uh, for Michigan to get him to recommit. This was a man that was committed to Michigan, decommitted, committed to Alabama, decommitted again, went (laughs) back to Michigan. Uh, And that is Dax Hill, uh, safety from Michigan. I think this is the next Jabril Peppers type player. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said last week he is the most athletic player on the team and perhaps he's ever coached. High speak uh, from, for even a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Tremendous player, always around the ball. Just a sophomore. We've, we've only seen him for one season as a true freshman, but dynamic player, and he's going to be a, a name that's set around this league for as long as he's here. I think he's probably a first-round pick when he comes out. So I've got Dax Hill here at number nine. I'll stick with the Iowa line like Greg did for my number nine. This is where I've got Alaric Jackson, a tackle for Iowa. Tristan Wirf's gone to the NFL to, to Tampa Bay, so it's up to Jackson now to anchor that Iowa line. He was pretty dominant last year, stonewalled whoever you'd put across from him. And at 6'6", 315, he moves really well for a big guy. He's, I think, the second cornerstone of that Iowa offensive line with Linderbaum. I, he was uh, Nebraska recruited him really heavily. Came came up shy. Obviously, lost into Iowa. He's turned into a heck of a, a college player. All right, I'm going to Penn State as well for my number nine. Austin had one at ten, but I'm going their tight end, and that is Pat Freermouth, who is a really good player for them. The pros can't wait to get their hands on him. Forty three catches a year ago with seven touchdowns. Huge part of that offense in State College, and he's going to be an NFL guy. We're going to watch him run around on Sunday. So Pat Freermuth, the tight end from Penn State, makes my list at number nine. Okay, on to number eight we go. And I've got a Purdue Boilermaker here at number eight. May not be the one that first jumps to your mind, but probably the second one that jumps to your mind. I've got George Karloftis here at number eight. Mm. This kid was wildly disruptive um, when he came uh, onto the scene as a true freshman. Five-star player. Uh, was I think he was a top five player in the nation from right there in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, he's got a brother that's going to be just as good as he is. I don't know that he's committed to Purdue yet, but I would imagine it's only a matter of time. Um, I was skeptical that, that he was going to live up to that five-star uh, outing, but I remember how disruptive he was against Nebraska. I, when I re- go and re-watch the game against Purdue, he is all over the place. He is a tough man to block, and again, he's just a very young player and another future NFL player. Um, like his game a lot, and I think he's really, really good. I've got Carl Loftus here at eight. My number nine has already, or my number eight has already been mentioned. It was Greg's number nine. This is where I've got Fryermuth from Penn State. 875 yards and 15 career touchdowns. That'll really help Kirk Shiraka out since he's the new offensive coordinator there. There's, there's a lot of good tight ends in this conference, and I think Fryermuth is the best of them. 
Yeah, he's really, really good. I love the way they use him, too. I hope Nebraska starts using the tight ends a little bit more. I think that may be the plan for this year. All right, to number, to my number eight, I'm going to Michigan's defensive front. I got Quiddy Pay here. Um, a lot of NFL scouts can't wait to get their hands on this defensive end. He had 12 and a half sacks a couple years ago. Didn't play quite as well as a junior, but I think he bounces back as a big senior season for the day. So I got Quiddy Pay in my number eight. Okay, on to number seven, and mine happens to be one that you have both mentioned. I've got Fryermuth up here at number seven. Uh, Greg, you're nine. Austin, you're eight. This was a huge get. They lost Micah Parsons, who probably would have been one or two on our list had he been back. They lost him, but it was huge getting Fryermuth back. That was a huge get. So I think Penn State would take one for two. Projected late first, early second round pick already in the 2021 mock drafts. Um, there was a huge loss when they lost Mike Gesicki at tight end, and he's obviously having a good year at Miami with the Dolphins. But to have a guy like Firemuth come in and take over those um, take over those catches and those touchdowns, he's done a good job at that, and he's coming back. Nebraska's going to have to deal with him this year. That they are. So for my number seven, I go to the defensive side of the ball for the first time. I've got Jack Sanborn, the linebacker from Wisconsin hmm. up here. Yeah. A year ago had nine tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, as well as both a fumble forced and recovered. He's the guy now. Chris Orr and Zach Bond are are gone now they left so it's up to Sanborn to really step up in the middle of that Wisconsin defense he led them in tackles a year ago with 80 his role is going to increase since there's more pressure on his plate but I think he can handle it good player that defense is going to be really good as Ben talked last night about the Badgers that's that's going to be a good group I've got a Badger at my number seven I'm going offensive line Cole Van Lannon for them he's kind of the next of that great big up front line he's the one guy that really has played an awful lot up front for them they're going to need him to play well at that left tackle spot he's up for it he's a big fellow so Cole Van Lannon my number seven very good. On to number six we go. Greg, you had him at number eight. I've got Quiddy Pay here at number six, defensive end from Michigan. This was, again, a huge get uh, for Michigan to get him to come back to school. There was a lot of chatter if he did enough in his sophomore season um, to come back, and, and the answer was apparently no uh, to the NFL scouts. So he decided to come back, and, I, again, I think this is another first-round draft pick waiting to happen. I would guess somewhere between 10 and 20. But Michigan's known for their big defensive linemen, Rashawn Gary, uh, Chase Winovich, et cetera. Quiddy Pay is the next one to come out. He is a very good player. I stick on the defensive line for number six for me. Already been mentioned, Ben, you had him at number eight. This is where I've got Karloftis from Purdue. Seven and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss last year. Second only to some guy you might have heard of, Chase Young in quarterback. Hurries. He's going to be good. He's going to be a problem for a couple more years. All right. Number six, I've got Chris Olave, the wide receiver for the Buckeyes. Last year, he had 49 catches, 12 touchdowns. Big play guy for them. He and Fields really found a rhythm. That'll be a guy to keep an eye on next Saturday for the Cornhuskers. So Olave makes my list at number six. Hard to leave a first-round draft pick off your list, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it. And it's partly because there might be a Buckeye or two that are on my list and wanted to give some love to some other players. But uh, Chris Olave, I think, was the fourth name I wrote down, which, you know, jumped off the top of my head. That's pretty high. But, you know, on thinking about it, I did decide to leave him off. But you know, undoubtedly a top-ten player in the league. He can play. Um, 
All right, speaking of the Buckeyes, I'll go there next, but I'm going to the other side of the ball. I'm going Sean Wade, uh, defensive back for Ohio State. Probably projects as a, as a corner, I would say, at the next level, but he's their hybrid safety nickel. He plays everywhere. Uh, he was the one that had that tough targeting penalty on Trevor Lawrence that completely flipped that game on its head in the national semifinal last year. He was also one of the ringleaders of getting football back in the Big Ten, and um, his dad was very involved at, with protesting the Big Ten office. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about what he can do on the field. Excellent player. To me, it was a game-changing play, player for Ohio State last year against Nebraska and locking down J.D. Spielman. J.D. couldn't get open all night long because of Sean Wade. Uh, projects very well at the next level and my first Buckeye on the list. Spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, like <laughs> Sean Wade's game a lot. And, again, he's going to do um, some of the tough, dirty work of, of shutting down Nebraska's best receiver. Was Wade the one that had that dumb interception on his back? I yes, he was. Yep. No, no, that was Okuda. That was Okuda. Jeffrey Okuda. Was it? Ah, I don't like either of those. Because Okuda had two him. picks. He had like one or two career picks, and then he had two against Nebraska. And I know they made a big deal about that on the broadcast. Man, I'll stick. I'll stick to defense, but not at Ohio State for my number five. I've got Patty Fisher here, the linebacker from Northwestern. Last year is a down year for him. Only 88 tackles, six for loss, a sack, and an interception. And that tells you just how good he is. He's been at the heart of that Northwestern defense, a really good linebacking core there for a few years now. I think he's the best linebacker in the Big Ten now that Micah Parsons has opted out. He's really, really good. No doubt. Very good. All right, uh, my number five, I go to Michigan. And then their offensive line this time, Jalen Mayfield, their right tackle there. NFL scouts love him. He'll be probably a second-day pick in the April or May or whenever the NFL does their draft draft uh scouts love him got the frame will be a heck of an offensive lineman in the nfl mayfield from michigan my number five mayfield one of my honorable mentions i i saw when i was putting this together a mock draft that did have him in the first round up at 15 i I think most most project that being a little bit high but uh, mayfield obviously is is somebody who will be coveted at the next level all right on to number four for me let's see where we got here Uh, There we go, number four. I'm going to Ohio State again, and I'll stick with offensive linemen, and I'll stick with guys that are coming back with their decisions to Columbus. Wyatt Davis here. Uh, Again, another slam dunk first-round draft pick. They're loaded with them, um, and when you got guys like Wyatt Davis that can can clear the way and and hold them down, I think he's projected anywhere from seventh overall to 21st, so – pretty comfortably in that first round and i think we'll we might find out why in what 11 days right about and i'll stick with that team i go to the buckeyes here this is where i've got sean wade ben you had him at number five a guy that opted out but came back to school much to the chagrin of receivers across the conference yeah i'm right there with you i've got Wade at four in my spot too just think about last year you're lining up against them and you've got Wade on one side of the field and akuda on the other side i mean where, where do you go i mean <laughs> and then you can and chase about, young coming after you yeah and chase young coming up the you know running after you and so where do you go i mean who, who shakes one of those two guys they're both first round picks akuda top five pick i'm not sure wade's top five but he's still really good and that that uh, fiesta bowl with clemson completely changed with the hit that he put on him so i've got waited for on to the top three we go and again talking about opt-outs who opt back in uh rondale moore number three for purdue can he stay healthy when he is 
He's a pain in the butt, and he's electric. And, again, I think based on – I think I looked at six or seven mock drafts today, and he was in probably about 80% of them in the first round. Electrifying talent. Health is an issue, but we'll find out what he can do this year healthy for the Boilers. I've got a different receiver that opted out and then back in at my number three, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota. 60 catches, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns last season. Quite a saga with him up there in Minneapolis, if will he, won't he? But he's back playing for Goldie, and that gives him a true number one guy for Tanner Morgan again. Yeah, I'm with you. I've got that lined up as well, number three with Bateman. You kind of wonder, what, what did he do those five, six weeks? Was he working out? Did he did he improve or did he go eat Cheetos and Doritos somewhere for a week, a month or so when he left the program, knowing that he had a long time before the NFL draft? Um, I might have had him a little higher if I knew what kind of shape he was in. I think he's definitely going to miss Tyler Johnson being on the field with him, but they still have Ottman Bell out there as well. Uh, so I've got Bateman at three. Okay, well, here's where I've got Bateman. i got Bateman at two, and the only reason I have – Rondale Moore and, and Bateman flipped probably from you guys is because I think Bateman probably projects better at the next level. I don't yeah. know that that counts for anything, but uh, I think he's probably more of an NFL body wide receiver. Now, in terms of this year, um, a couple of concerns I have with Bateman. Greg, I thought you brought up a good point with what, what has he been doing. But the other point I think that you hit on is even bigger is how does he complement without Tyler Johnson? Um, I think that's, that's going to be a huge thing to lose one of those guys i i talked to a husker defensive back um in, in the off season before covid was a thing and um had asked him point blank who was the best receiver he's gone up against in his career and his answer was surprising it was rashad bateman and wow. I, you know at that time you think about some of the receivers that we've gone up against that, that, that was not an, an answer i expected to hear i seen him pegged as high as sixth in mock drafts I think that's ridiculous I don't think he's a sixth <laughs> overall talent but I think he's a first overall talent and that would make two receivers back to back for 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 Minnesota that that get picked pretty high in the NFL and so for that reason I got bait minute too I stick at wide receiver and I flip flop with you here Ben I've got Rondale Moore here the second receiver who opted out and then back in he really hasn't played a whole lot in West Lafayette due to injuries but when he's on the field he is a capital P problem I line up with you. Austin and I are like the same here coming down the stretch. I've got Rondell Moore. I want to see how he looks coming off the injury. Uh, and now people know about him. So you got you, he, gonna, he's going to draw a lot of attention. I know they still have Bell on the other side of the field. And now as a, I think you're going to see teams kick away from him in the kick game, not let him be as big a factor for them. But he's still a heck of a player. But I've got more too. All right, on my number one, I've got the new Rutgers starting quarterback, Noah Vedrill, here at number one. No, I'm just messing with you. I mean, it's got to be Justin Fields, right? I mean, other yeah. than Trevor Lawrence, he's a slam dunk. Um, at the, I mean, I don't know, if, depending on whoever that two, if they need a quarterback, they don't need a quarterback, he's, he's going to be the second best player in the draft. Now, whether he goes to number two overall or not, I was utterly baffled at how well he played against Nebraska last year. He was surgical. He didn't make a single mistake. He was poised. Everything there is to like about a quarterback I saw from Justin Fields. Um, he got hit a couple times, didn't seem to phase him, made some great throws in the corner of the end zone. Um, special, special player. And I, can't, I cannot believe that Georgia couldn't, couldn't find a spot for him on their team. Um, and, and he decided to go Ohio State. What a gift for the Buckeyes. He's an exceptional talent. Too busy using Jake from State Farm. You know, I've got Justin Eats the Fields here at number one for me. He did go vegan. I'm interested to see if that sticks throughout football season. But, yeah, no, he's at worst the second best player in college football. 
Three for three fields for me at number one. That was pretty much a slam dunk. And really our top three or four weren't much different at all. But what a break for Ohio State to get him eligible immediately. Gave them a chance to make that run a year ago. I don't know what they do, guys, without him last year. They're still really good with Chase Young and some of those guys we've already mentioned out there. But he's the trigger guy, the most important position in football. They get him back for a second year and off they go and running, and we'll get an up-close and personal look at him in about 11 days. All right, there you go. There's our top ten list. Well done, boys. Good stuff there. Yeah, I should mention my honorable mentions, though, quickly. I feel like sure. there's a couple of good players we left off. Obviously, I mentioned Mayfield and Olave. The two other guys that I really wanted to put in here, but I just couldn't find spots for them. Another Indiana Hoosier, Watt Fillier. He caught 47 passes against Nebraska last year, uh, that game in Lincoln. And the other one is another corner from Michigan, Ambry Thomas, I think is really good, too. So those are two other guys that just couldn't find spots for on my list. Yeah, Wyatt, awesome. Wyatt Davis was there for me, Wap Fillier in that yeah. conversation. Even a guy like Brendan Hymas, I think he's been really good for Nebraska. He's in the conversation, probably just outside the top ten, but I think deserves a mention. Yep, no doubt.